Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? Coffee. For seven centuries, humans have been enjoying coffee. On episode 20 of Generation Excellence, I was joined by Elliot Lukow and his son Noah, founder and part of the second generation of The Cappuccino Man a nearly 30-year-old gourmet coffee catering business with a devoted following. Theirs is a delicious story of service, innovation, sustainability, personalization, craftsmanship, and artistry. I know you'll learn a latte from the Catman crew, Noah and Elliot, as we welcome them both to Generation Excellence. Noah and Elliot, thank, I mean, thank you for, for joining and, and rep- representing the Cappuccino Man business today, this afternoon. As, 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 as you know, I've, I've been um, at events in different places where you, your team, your baristas are serving and making and designing. And uh, it was one of our creative directors who, after you were all out with one of the radio groups, actually, or last, sometime last year, who just whispered to me, do you know that Sarah is in this, this is a family business and she's part of the second generation. And, and I didn't know that part of your story. And uh, I think I reached out to her about being on this podcast and she was busy doing events and other things. And I got to you, Elliot, then I got to you. So uh, small world, small community. I, I really appreciate you doing this. And, and, and I just, I'll, I'll, I, and I like that we have the generations represented here this afternoon from both the Detroit area and out in Southern California. Is that correct? No, is that finding you? Los Angeles. So, I mean, take take me back almost about 30 years, right? To a time when there wasn't a coffee house kind of on every corner or as the Great Onion headline put it, Starbucks open Starbucks and bathroom of Starbucks. and and how the just how the cappuccino man came to be, and we'll go from the founding into the future. It's kind of a cool story, Jamie. Um, I'm a native New Yorker. I spent 22 years there, and then I kind of like made my way via one-way ticket to California when I was 22, and that's why I decided I wanted to be California. I met Gail shortly thereafter. Gail is from Michigan, and uh, we lived together for. 20 years and Gail got a real hankering to come back to the mitt and um, <laughs> I knew nothing about Michigan but you know you know happy wife happy life I mean that's basically the bottom line the kids were nine six and five at the time okay. so Noah's nine Jacob middle my middle guy was a photographer he's uh, six and Sarah's five so the two little ones didn't remember too much about California but Noah had already had a network there you know, from going to school with the same kids for four years. And uh, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to come to Michigan. He wanted to stay in California. The only option was staying with my brother. And he decided against that one, although he thought about it for a while. (laughs) And as soon as he was able to, you know, to cut stakes, he just headed for California again when he was 19, finished his college out there, got his degree in business and marketing, and went into his first love, which was skateboarding, skateboarding, the whole genre, snowboarding, 
worked in a shop, a cool shop in Venice for 10 years, but he kind of went, went as, as far as he could go in the business. He, he wanted more. The house was on the market, going to Michigan. Neither of us had jobs, um, but we had Gail's mom here and we figured, you know, we know somebody, so we'll give it a shot. Gail read about a gentleman who had a system to marry a steamer machine together with a toddy brewed coffee, which toddy brew is a uh, process where they, they soak the beans. I'm going to jump in here too, because I remember this. I was actually there at the meeting when you actually went and met this guy, Dick, right? At the, uh, so Piacere was the name of the company. They had a liquid espresso, which that's yeah, it, standard. they would not, a bottled liquid espresso that they were selling as a product that they would also, you know, sell with the machine so my dad married married to the steamer right so he was going to be the sales rep the first sales rep in detroit to sell these machines to restaurants and mind you this is in 93 where no starbucks even existed right right. even knew what a cappuccino was coffee was a freaking coffee coffee was coffee yeah and sugar (laughs) and there was you know a couple of coffee shops in our neighborhood when we moved into to west bloomfield michigan but um you know, Caribou, I think, was the one that I remember. Yeah, that was the second one. It was there a month. Starbucks you know, every other mile on Orchard Lake Road. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think, what, you you ended up opening how many accounts and selling machines? I sold, well, what happened was I sold about 10 machines, some locally, uh, I mean, almost all locally, until I decided that I was going to do a coffee show at Novi and show my machine and, you know, sell a few machines. Well, I didn't really realize what I was doing because, you know, I'm selling machines to guys in uh, Muskegon with a Holiday Inn, you know. So <laughs> you know, I'm driving across the state, two cases of coffee, man, and, t- and and I'm training these 18-year-old pimply-faced kids who didn't know a cappuccino, you know, from caviar. And uh, every time I went back, there was different people there, and the guy was saying, you know, you know, why aren't they selling this guy? I said, look. I've tried to incentivize them by telling them they sell four cappuccinos rather than four coffees. They'll make an extra two bucks tip on every table. But you know something? They find it easier to just grab the pot off the thing and pour because that's what they used to. So, you know, it, it was it was not great. I had a it was okay though. I mean, I was making a little money and I had turned down two or three jobs to work as in the in the catering end because I swore I was not going to get into catering. I was going to watch my kids grow up, spend time with them, coach their teams. You know, I, I wasn't going to be that absentee dad. And um, then somebody came to me with an offer that I didn't refuse. I <laughs> <laughs> was at the show. This is at the coffee show. Somebody asked you to do the event. Well, at the coffee show, I sold the three machines and one was in Muskegon. I sold one into Buddy's, a, a barbecue blues barn in West Bloomfield. who never used it. And uh, to the Fox and Hounds, which was legendary here. I remember that they had place. A fire and two machines burned down. And it was the guy, anyway, a long story. But um, I did an event at Tam O'Shanter Country Club. Somebody asked me, a famous party planner, a woman named Dee Dee Hoffman said, Elliot, what is it going to take to get you to this wedding? You know, these people heard that you make cappuccino. I said, Dee, I said, I've never done this before. I said, I sell machines and deliver coffee. She said, how much do you want? Second time. I said, uh, how many people are there? She said, 350 people. I said, a dollar a head. So I did my first event for 350 people with Gail sitting next to me, throwing the machine on the table. Um, and 
and waiting two hours till they came into the suite room, which they were supposed to be in at nine o'clock. They came in at 11 o'clock and at 11 o'clock, the elderly people were already leaving, begging for some of those desserts that if you remember the old dessert tables, they would fill sure. the entire room. You know, nobody ate them, but they, they look really they look nice. And, well. and you wanted to have some coffee with the dessert. Yeah. yeah the photo album, they were beautiful. So we finally started to serve 11 o'clock and people are like looking at us like, Hmm, what is this? What do you, you know, what are you guys doing? Nobody had seen this before, anything like it. Cappuccino, you know, after a bar mitzvah, wow. Um, seven people took cards from the very first event we did at Tam Shanter and booked events. Hmm. Nobody even asked price. And I, and I realized I was way low at 350. Sure. I started at around five, you know, and these were like 200 person events and they were people from out of town staying, you know, as guests. They were weddings, bar mitzvahs. They were, I didn't get into corporate until a little bit later, but um, soon right. thereafter. And then, so then at, I, this time, at this time, your, your, your business card said Piacere, Michigan, because that was the yeah. name of the company that you were repping at the time. Uh, that was the founding name. All right. I'm tell you, yeah, well, I'll tell Jamie a and short. What, and what did the machine cost at that time for a restaurant? I had, or I had to sell it for 2000 bucks. Okay. Okay, and, and the deal was if I sold the machine for 2000 bucks, um, a lot of times like Fox and Hound said, oh man, we don't have $2,000, but Elliot, every time you deliver a case of coffee, instead of paying me 50 bucks, we'll pay you 100 bucks and we'll upcharge it and you'll pay off the machine that way. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, that's the way to get a machine in there and sell product. I'm, I'm down, you know, let, let's do it. So that worked oh, out great. So a razor, razor blade business at the very Absolutely. beginning. Yeah, okay. 100, yeah, 100%. Um, where was I? Um, so PHA in Michigan, yeah, yeah. You, a few other events. You did bar mitzvahs, birthday parties. What else? I have to tell you one quick Piacere story, though. Piacere, Michigan, the, the name Piacere, P-I-A-C-E-R-E, means, con, con Piacere means with pleasure in Italian. So the owner, this Dick, uh, Dick would always answer the phone, Piacere, international, you know. And when I got to Michigan, I didn't know what to name the company, so I figured, okay, Piacere, Michigan. Great. So I would be leaving people cards and I'd be getting phone calls and people would be saying, is this piece of cherry, Michigan? And I'd be saying, no, man, this is not piece of cherry anything. This is Piacere, Michigan. Finally, after doing several events at the um, Ritz Carlton and the people there really liked me, the, you know, because the wait staff, I always made a point of serving everybody. I never say no. I'm sure no is the same to anybody who wants, whether you're a, a guard or, a, you know, an nice. attendant front desk, you take care of everybody because you don't know where they're going to be a year yeah. from now or, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just already paid for anyway. What's the difference if you serve a couple extra drinks? Yeah, they've already paid for this. Well, right. So you, yeah. so you you uh, you also made a cart. Don't, don't forget to add that. Yeah. So, you know, I had the option of getting these, what they called a little piccolo cart at the beginning, which I turned down. Finally, I sent for, you know, the cart. The first year we had one cart. Uh, oh, the, how we got the name Cappuccino Man. Sorry to interrupt. That's where I was going to go next. I mean, did, yeah. you, did you dub yourself the Cappuccino Man? No, I, I wish, you know something? I, I swear I wish I could take credit for that, Jamie. I lost your picture. I'm going to, uh, hang on a second. Yeah. Yeah, I need you. Hmm, we see. <laughs> we can edit this down, right? We're gonna edit this down. Okay. Yeah, we, I, I can. Okay. So anyway, um, Ritz Carlton. Shortly after the incident, you know, I started doing the, the business and, try, and trying to figure out how the hell am I going to get out of the machine business, which I forced it. I thought I could do both. Then I realized, no, 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 different businesses get out of, you know, 
catering was fun. It was exciting. I was in front of people. I like being in front of people. Um, it's audio podcast, so I mean we're okay with what does or doesn't happen with picture. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, so going to the Ritz Carlton, um, I had a couple of of the catering managers who really loved my service, and they know that their clients would go for anything that they suggested, started to plug me in. So I was almost a fixture there on, okay. I don't know, on a weekly basis, but two, three times a month, I was at the Ritz-Carlton. This is before they became the Henry. Um, finally, one day I'm walking in, I'm pushing the cart in. In the beginning, many years, I did the, everything by myself, you know, the whole nine yards mm-hmm. um, until we decided to add people and carts and blah, blah, blah. So as I'm about 25 feet away from them, they were, they were kind of standing in a group from a meeting, in a meeting, and somebody looked and said hey there's the cappuccino man and i said oh shit that that is it that is it that is what we are that is the name of our company and and funny i still deal with the guy i see him and whenever i see him i said hey man i gotta thank you 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 are the one who named my company (laughs) 27 years ago so uh you know that that's an interesting name the name stuck you know gail was when i got home i said gail cappuccino man she said well what about cappuccino guy i said yeah i said you know i said i'm more of a man than a guy i said i don't know <laughs> i like the ring of that you know so that's what we went with um and uh it's been a good name it's been a good name it's got a good ring people yep. remember it and, and and if they forget it they can easily find us on facebook on Google so, AdWords. Do you recall what your first ever corporate event was that you brought the cappuccino man cart and yourself into? Uh, I'm going to think on that for a second. Uh, it was not a corporate event so much. I guess it was. It was an apartment building that they, the tenant was treating the, um, the, the owner was treating his his tenants to Tenant, thank you. Uh, cappuccino for Christmas. It's Christmas party. Holiday event. Okay. Not a real company, but um, I think of something, I'll let you know on this one. Um, yeah, that's become a big category for us for sure. Tenants appreciation, whether it's like an apartment complex or like a, a big building, corporate building. Um, during the holidays, I mean, that's, I'd say the majority of our business is actually tenants appreciation. No. So Noah, you grew up as this business grew up and the cappuccino man went from being your father, the cappuccino man, to a business and multiple people representing and serving. And what's your first memory of a cappuccino man event? Uh, well, everybody actually knew that I was the son of the cappuccino man because of the okay. fact that, you know, living in a somewhat, you know, um, Jewish community, we had a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs, of course, you know, so a 13 year old kids, like, were all my wow. friends and at the time they would all have, you know, I mean, a lot of them would have uh, the cappuccino cart there. And so they, they knew that I was cappuccino man, junior or cappuccino kid or whatever it was, you <laughs> know, like son of cappuccino man. Um, I, I do, I, you know, I make the joke all the time when people go, well, how long have you been doing this? And I go, man, you would not believe me if I told you, like, I swear there was, there was one event that I do remember the, my first one that I worked alone. Cause I definitely did plenty of them with my dad, you know, before that, but it was before I had a license. So I must've been like 13 years old. I'm pretty sure my dad probably had us, we were probably double booked and he had to do something somewhere else. And he dropped me off with the coffee cart about a mile away from the house. And I, I worked the event by myself. I, I swear I must've been 13, no, no older. Um, and I pushed the cart all the way back to the house with the machine and everything. This is like right down the street, um, right at the end of our subdivision. Um, was graduation so I, party? Was it a, or a bar mitzvah? I forget. Uh, it was probably like a birthday party or something. I, I barely remember it, but um, you know, 
I guess growing up and watching my dad, he was always kind of like an entrepreneurial type of guy. Like he always had all sorts of little business. He, he had the Kingpin, which was like a pin making business when I was growing up and he had started um, a school. So I kind of just always saw my dad starting, starting companies and being, you know, the, the head of a company, never thinking that's what I was ever going to do. That was never the plan. And I always kind of tell people this when I moved to LA, when I was 19 years old, I was moving here to be in the skateboarding industry, like you sure. kind of suggested. So I went to Michigan state for a year. I'm not going to say I hated it, but I didn't really fit in. Okay. Um, I worked at the only skate shop on campus in, in Michigan state for modern skate and surf who also sold rollerblades. I was getting paid $5 and 25 cents an hour. And I just did not foresee myself finishing school at Michigan state and being, you know, a Spartan. Cause it just wasn't me. You know, I okay. never went to any of the sporting events. I was not um, into the Greek life or anything. I was like kind of a, a stranger in a strange land. I was the only skateboarder on campus from, from what I knew. And I met a couple of kids at the skate park there by the shop, but um, I pretty much told my dad in, in April of, of that year, 2002, it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to finish here. I'm, I'm moving back to California. I want to be in this industry. This is what I want to do. And if I want to be in the skate surf snow industry, I need to move back to LA. Okay. All right. Well, you know, let's, let's, let's go out there. And so we took a trip and went to a bunch of skate shops and I applied all over the place. And so, yeah, um, it wasn't until, I would say I was about 26 or so. And so I'd been there about seven years and I was kind of getting toward the end of my first stint at a skateboard shop out there. I kind of worked my way up to the, to the management position and he sent me a cart. I didn't ask him for a cart. He sent me a cart okay. in two pieces in two. So it was a two piece cart. One, one goes on top of the other. I actually still have it. I've like refinished it, resurfaced it a couple of times, but um, you know, he said, Oh, well, I'm going to start telling people that you're available in California. I go, I, I'm going to school full time. So I've just the cart because you already have the machine. Oh no, sorry, everything. He sent me the okay. machine. The sent whole, me the cart. Sent, sent me everything that I would need. Kit, you're you know. kitted out to to do yeah. to do events. So okay. kind of against. I wouldn't say against my will, but I didn't ask for it. So because I'm going to start advertising and letting people know you're available in California. I okay. honestly have no idea how people even found, you know, the fact that we were available in California because I, I guess at the time there was probably not much. Um, competition and i think something else that my dad probably failed to mention is that like the concept of having a coffee coffee cart like a specialty coffee cart at events was non-existent when he started right. this in 93 like there was no right it wasn't yeah it wasn't about the wheels. cappuccino man or the eight other options it was you and so um you know i i like to give credit where it's due on that one but um you know i, we, I would get one event every like three or four months he'd call me he goes oh man i have this uh this furniture store down in orange County and they're doing like a three day event. Like, you know, they want you to be down there and um, serve from this time to this time. And I go, okay, well, and I, I go get a cooler and I had to go buy milk and buy ice and like, you know, all the pictures and I had to get everything to, to do an event. Um, I had a Toyota matrix, a, a really small little like S uh, uh, not SUV, but it was um, like a hatchback. And I had to push my seat as far forward as it would possibly go to jam this cart in behind me <laughs> to fit the machine <laughs> to fit the cooler, to fit everything that I needed into the van um, to, and then driving down with my knees in the dashboard to Orange County and back. I swear to you, and this is by myself, of course. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And yeah, it was like, you know, once every two months or three months or so, he'd say, oh, I got another one for you. And I still have all the files somehow in my in my drawer here from like all the events that I did starting back in probably, oh, nice. I, don't, I don't even know, 2000. First year you did that, man? 2009, 2010, maybe. Um, so you're 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 a pioneer with this idea and this business, and then you get involved in kind of now you're a Michigan-based entity and a West Coast operation. What were some other 
I guess, innovations or new, you know, cause you kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit. So what other things did you, did you add to the cappuccino man concept over these 20, almost 30 years? So, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, one, I mean, one of the things that's funny that we, that we started, I don't know if we started it in the world, but we certainly started in Michigan about 10 years ago, a client at an auto show asked if we could put snowflakes on top of the coffee. And I, before I had an opportunity to say no, I said yes. And then I got off the phone and I said, oh man, what the hell are we gonna, how am I gonna put a spot? It's just like our business. We get people go, can you do that? We go, yeah, so, hang up and go, how are we gonna do this? <laughs> so we found some nice thick cardboard and we found some nice razor blades and we started, and my wife, and it's really hard to make a snowflake because of the angles involved on a piece of cardboard. But somehow, well, I wouldn't say it was crude, but maybe a step above crude, but it worked. We put it on top of the coffee, we sprinkled some cocoa on it, and bingo, we had a snowflake. Okay, great. Let's hope the client likes it. The client totally flipped out. The people flipped out. It was like, oh my goodness, uh, let's figure out how to do this right. And since then, what we've been doing for every event is we make a laser cut imprint on a thin plastic um, sheet with, you know, Jack and Mary's name on it with a heart. And every single cappuccino and latte that we serve has that on there. Has that imprint seen, on there? I, yep. Corporate logos, artwork. I've seen. I've seen your art. Yeah, it takes an extra like five seconds to do it and it literally makes it that much more you know the value is is right there and people um they really appreciate it every single guest of course you can imagine takes their phone out takes pictures instagrams of course we've got our 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 handle right there you know hey make sure you tag us and we'll repost them no i mean you certainly have embraced the, the visual of instagram and social media to i was actually kind of you do yeah i was kind of anti at first because i was when i started it out here in 2013 officially i was like mastering the latte art i was trying to pour you know beautiful hearts and tulips and i was only hiring baristas who could pour beautiful things into drinks and that was the show that was like what i thought sure. was really impressive and i go dad why would we want to cover up the art that we just learned how to do and that we're you know showing off our, our barista skills trust me trust me noah they're going to love it, but they're, I'm telling you, they're going to love it. And I think uh, there was an event that we did for Nike or something where we blew these people away with like all sorts of different Nike logos and swooshes and the amount of Instagram, like Facebook, uh, you know, posts and, and reposts and integration that we had received. It was like, okay, yep, I get it. I understand why we well, do it's this. It's a form of personalization and it's special. Oh, and it's, it's the reason that we get hired half the time. I tell people that okay. all the time. It's, like it's it's the cherry on top. It's the, it's the edge that we have over our competition. And it's not that hard to do, but of course we don't really advertise to uh, our competitors or anywhere else, like where we get our stencils made or how we get them made. We just, you know, if they want to figure it out themselves, that's fine. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge, man. People love it. So that's a breakthrough and a signature thing over, over this time. Yeah. There have to be a couple of stories in the lore, something that didn't go right. A, 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 a father of the bride movie like event. I mean, is there, is there some, some, Famous couple of things that happened. I'm sure Noah's got a few as well, but um, once I got to an event at uh, Temple Israel in West Bloomfield, set up my cart and was all ready to go. I inspected it, it looked beautiful. I walked over to the dad, the father of the bar mitzvah guy, Mr. Schreiber. I said, Mr. Schreiber, congratulations on David's bar mitzvah. He said, I'm not Mr. Schreiber. 
Pittsburgh. I'm Mr. Kent, and it's my daughter's wedding. I said, well, wait a second. I've got the date right here. It's like, on, oh, my God. I said, I am a year early. So I went to the event a year early, set up the cart, and was ready to go. And it was the wrong. It was, you know, I mean, stuff happens, right? So <laughs> That's funny. should have just paid you and just, you know, kept you for the wedding. That would have been a good idea. I tried, man. I said, I can just leave the cart right here, man. You know, I'll give you a special deal. But um, anyway, uh, that was pretty funny. Um, I had yeah. hear some noise in the background. It's absolutely pouring rain here. I don't know. Is it raining where you are, Jamie? Not yet. I guess it's coming. Okay. So um, the other thing that I thought of, this is kind of a cool one. Uh, it's, it's not anything that we did wrong, but it's just what happened. It was the most lavish, expensive hoity-toity wedding you could ever imagine and it was at the ritz carlton and 350 people were crammed into this room that had these every single chair had a silk covering on it and there were candelabras that i've never seen like in my life that were tapers that would i swear to you around two feet tall but on each table in the center i'm looking at the room and it's all white it's like man i said this must be what heaven looks like so anyway um <laughs> I'm out in the lobby and I'm serving because I was serving the um, the order of hour as well as the dinner. But the first hour I was outside in, in the lobby before I pushed in. And I had a nice crowd and I'm starting to get my stuff together and pack up to go into the room. And all of a sudden I hear people shrieking and running. They're running out of the room and they're carrying their purses and whatever. What the hell's going on? Well, the tapers, the beautiful tapers, um, set off the sprinkler alarms in the ceiling, and it flooded the entire room. Entire room flooded, uh, and so I don't know what they did, but they hung out, you know, for for a while by me, and I don't know what they did for the rest of the time, but I will never forget that one. Yeah, the uh, the flood. Yeah. I, I think one of the one of the worst things you could possibly do is forget something, and that's one of the like obviously the job of the person who is packing the carts and getting. You know, we have we did over both of us did over 500 events last year, so you know something's going to go wrong out of one of those. Um, forgetting the stencil is one of the worst things you could possibly do. Yeah. I had three separate occasions last year. Where I had an Uber. I sent a stencil in an Uber. The Uber driver got there. I go, hey, I'm not getting in the car, but if you could just take this stencil and call this guy when you get there, he's going to come out and grab it. So, you know, add an extra 25 or 30 of uh, dollars cost to that event. I mean. It happens, you know, people have forgotten the cooler, people have forgotten the machine, um, machines have crapped out. I mean, of course, you know, they're, they're machines, something's gonna happen sometimes. Um, you just kind of have to have to wing it and you have to like, just just serve what you can. You know, if you, if you only can serve chai tea and, and matchas because your, you know, espresso machine's not working, just do it. Um, if you can only do ice drinks because your steamer is not working, you just got to just, you know, go so with it. And, adaptability you learn. You've been doing yeah. this a while. And so hopefully this... nobody notices, but if they do, <laughs> then you can either, you know, offer them a discount or, you know, a, whatever, another event at no charge or something. But, you know, that's, I think our, our goal is to always obviously make everybody happy and to keep our reputation as, uh, you know, five stars on Yelp as possible. Um, but you just, yeah, as, as my dad will probably tell you, you just can't please everybody. Sure. Like you can sure. bright, there's bridezillas, there's, party planners who you know love to tell you where you're supposed to go in the room and when you're trying to explain to them that like that's probably not a good idea uh oh i've got a good one for you get to an event kosher event straight up one of the most uh 
difficult events to, to try and do because you're dealing with a rabbi and you're dealing with a venue and everything like that. But we had a kosher event. We get to the venue. We open the cooler for the rabbi to inspect the milk that we brought. He pulls out the first milk. He points at it. He goes, this is a D. This means dairy. It says this is a processed on machinery with dairy. You can't use this milk. So at 945, I jump back in the van, throw all this milk in the van. I left my other barista there. I go, I'll be right back. I get to the only smart and final that's around here. Um, the grocery store that's open till 10 o'clock to swap out the milks for a different almond milk because there was no dairy at all so right. it was the only milk we were going to serve i get back the machine's been plugged in as the bride and groom are entering the room and now we'd like to introduce mr and mrs power outage we knocked the power out in the room because our machine i told them when we got there i go hey don't plug us into the same outlet as the dj i'm telling you our machine is very powerful and it yeah. will you know it anything besides our machine plugged into there you could be an iphone doesn't matter could potentially knock out so you know that was a, a little bit of an embarrassing thing and i looked at my barista i was like pretty sure that was us pretty sure we did that <laughs> so you know you can't win them all but um that's that's why we we've really we have a very thorough uh questionnaire that we do whenever we book an event um you know we let people know exactly what we need the amount of space that we need we want a photo of how you know the, the, the unloading area, the path that it's going to take for us to get from point A to point B and the space that they have in mind for us. Sometimes they want to stick us in the middle of the room and, and people are walking behind us and trying to order and shout orders from behind. I go, please just put us in the perimeter of the party. You know, that, that's the best thing. Put us against the wall. Stones to push over. Sometimes, you know, they, they sometimes they don't tell you, you know, and then I mean, you get I've, I've seen you at events. I've had your coffees and your drink. I've never really thought about all the logistics of what you have to go through. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, two uh, hours, uh, the two hours of the party, I always tell the uh, client, that's, this is the easiest part. The, the serving right now is the easiest part. It's everything that just led up to right sure. now. It's, no, it's, it's a little bit of a rock concert and you're the roadies and you got to load in and then you have the event and load <laughs> out. And, and I always tell my baristas, never expect it to be easy. And no matter what obstacles, no matter what hoops you have to jump through, just grit your teeth and smile and give them the best service they've ever, you know, we just have to live up to this reputation. It shouldn't, don't make them feel like it's their fault that it's hard for us to get our cart into, into position. Oh, so, yeah, make, make them feel they're getting more than what they paid for, you know, deliver what you told them and then some. And so Noah, you're, you're, you know, your father was subtle by sending you the cart and the gear and going, here you go, business in a, in a box. Um, not speaking for your sister, but how did she enter this family business? Uh, that's a funny story too, because she honestly went to school. She went to college for um, child development and speech uh, therapy. I think she she had no plans, similar to myself, of um, of doing of being a part of this business. Uh, I think that it was just kind of a side gig for her. Um, okay. On the weekends, she would be able to you know make a little extra cash working for my dad and. Um, she did work at a coffee shop while she was on campus um, in Kalamazoo, right? I'm pretty sure that's where she went. Yeah. And she worked at Plum Market and they had a coffee shop there too. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, I think by the time I had started the company out here, she had already had a lot of experience um, working behind the cart. I still don't think it's what she wanted to do as a career or as uh, her, her full-time job. Um, but when I got involved, the first thing that I did was it was pretty much, it was right when Instagram was starting. It was run, you know, Facebook was also thriving. And um, of course the website and all that stuff is the, is the face of your business. Our website, sure. I have to admit, and no, no offense to my dad, but it was, 
it was embarrassing um, to, to, to the least. The, the website was basically your, your like, original website. Here, right. It was like it was like um, it was horrible. Stephen, Stephen Miller backslash the Cappuccino Man. So whoever the designer of the website was, it was like a part of his website, and it mm. was like I think his was like cappuccino man one at aol.com and it was like dad we gotta you know you gotta have like elliot at cappuccino man.com we have to have like the cappuccino man.com domain name which yeah. thank god was available at the time um you know we got the instagram with the cappuccino man i wouldn't even put an ad out i wouldn't even tell people that i was available in la until everything was cleaned up and looked halfway decent which was something that i was able to do through the GoDaddy. um you know they have an integrated website builder which is very uh prehistoric and kind of just very basic it's way better now um but at least it was something and there was multiple pages you can click through and photos and examples and stuff um but yeah what's what sarah sosi is her nickname but um or La lady latte is what she goes by <laughs> too um she kind of told me in my first year she was like are you doing latte art on tops of the drinks i go well what do you mean she's just like you know can't you do hearts and flowers and tulips and i go well do i need to do that and she's like you probably should learn because that's like, you know, what all the cool guy shops are doing. And that, you know, really brings a, an extra added bonus, you know, value because when people get a latte with a heart or a tulip or, you know, something that's like our logo, which is a faded one, but um, they, they really, you know, are impressed and they understand why, you know, we charge the prices that we do as opposed to, you know, just hiring somebody else who pours milk into a shot of espresso and hands it to you and go, here's a cappuccino. So um, I kind of made it my goal to learn how to do latte art because my brother and sister who both worked in coffee shops could already do it. They could do basic, you know, tulips and, and hearts and stuff. And yeah. Now I'd say that we're, I mean, we're all so good that we're, we're, we're entering contests. Like we're in like barista throwdowns um, nice. you know, when, when those were happening and virtual throwdowns, but um, I actually, I was looking on my phone the other day, I have a shared album where my sister and I were shooting photos back and forth to each other in 2014, like comparing our latte art and like, check out this one that I did and check out this one. And it was crude, man. They were like little Christmas tree ferns that are like, not, you're not nothing to be excited about, but at the time, you know, it's, it's all about progression. And yeah, so uh, I'd say half of, of the baristas that work for me actually learned how to do latte art while on the job. Like they came in never having any experience in coffee and they, um, they learned just from, I, I, well, that, I mean, that I, speaks well to you all as a business of being able to bring people in and have them learn and train. And you've learned, I mean, obviously, you know, the boarding world. And then you learn the technology piece of website and managing social and digital presence. Then you've got the artistry of the making of the beverages. I mean, that's, that's a lot of hats. We're sitting here six, seven months into, you know, the COVID pandemic. Events are kind of a big engine of of what you all do. So what, what has been, I, I don't want to use that dreaded word pivot, but what all, what have you been doing the past bunch of months with the business or to generate business or, or to serve? How, how have you been dealing with that? I can answer that one first from this end. Of course, we didn't do anything until the very end of June. So we were down virtually. We had the best, we had our best year ever last year, mm -hmm. January and February of this year, we were on record pace to even beat, 2019, of course, and then March 13th happened. And until the end of June, we did not even one event. Uh, we started coming back slowly um, at the end of June, doing some backyard grad parties, backyard weddings, engagement parties. Okay. But virtually, if, if you go, Noah said we did, you know, 1,100 events last year. 40% of our events are personal events and 60% of our events are corporate events. Okay. And 
corporate events are a bigger piece of the pie, even though we do some big weddings, but we get some corporate gigs that are four, five, six, ten thousand dollars. You know, Noah gets charged with Nike for like two weeks, uh, or you know, corporate jobs that are more than a day or more than two days. And he's got the movie business out there, which we don't have here. But you know, we've tried to tap into some new veins of business and you know reinvent ourselves like what else who else could use our services well maybe the hospitals they've 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 got people working so we 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 got some hospital business okay we got beaumont for their employees you know we gave them like a discounted rate as far as you know having healthcare workers but you know for now for us to get the business even at a little less of a rate just to get my people out there working and just to keep cappuccino man out there working nice it's worth it to make that happen, you know, and, and and try. As far as the winter goes, I'm not sure if you were aware, Jamie, that two days ago, the governor, um, Whitmer, she lifted the numbers of indoor guests that could be at a specific um, wedding bar mitzvah, at a venue, at a banquet hall, at a from 10, get this man, from 10 to 500. So there's virtually no events right now going into the, last quarter of the season that we won't be able to do if again if we have people that do them not all of our people will go indoors right now sure i understand right well and i think yeah going back to the original question too is just like the the challenges yeah one of them definitely being the fact that the competition i have a lot more competition out here than they have in michigan that's for sure i've got at least 25 other people that i know do what we do which is a coffee catering service you know espresso machines on yeah, a maybe, whatever. Three other um and what I've started to realize is that, you know, because there's so minimal amount of demand for the services right now as compared to normal, that my competitors are going out for next to nothing. Literally so now, it becomes a, now it becomes a price war. Yeah. They're not even making a, I, I, they can't be making a profit. It's it mind, it's mind blowing to me because of the fact that, you know, example, there was a wedding, five hours, 250 people outdoors, et cetera. And, you know, even at that point in time in my head, I'm going, is that something that we want to commit to? Do we want to see that many people? You know, do we want to be around that many people? Right. That doesn't seem safe. But hey, you know what? We haven't made any money for the last three months. Let's just throw a quote out there. I threw out my normal rate, be about, you know, two grand for five hours, that many people. Some of the guy comes back to me and he goes, oh, well, somebody offered us $700. Seven, it was just like an hour and a half drive away. I go, $700. I wouldn't even do a 40 person event hmm. for $700 for two hours. And you're, you know what, I go, you go ahead and take that price, you know, that, and that's what I have to kind of compete with now. So um, I've definitely had to bring my pricing down a little bit. I think I'm charging maybe 50, maybe a hundred dollars less than I used to for my, you know, base rate. And then, you know, for, for other events. Um, but one of the things we did do, well, we want to make sure that we are COVID compliant, of course. And that's one of the questions that of course, well, we hope that our, our uh, clients are going to ask, or what are you guys doing to, make sure that, you know, the, the ensure the safety of my guests. And of course it's to ensure the safety of our baristas too. Sure. So, you know, this was a huge conversation between my sister and I and, and everybody like, how are we going to build, we have to build like sneeze guards, you know, every, every grocery store, every coffee shop, anybody that's doing business right now is building the a sneeze glass box, right the penalty box. Yeah, exactly. So um, we, we both have our own little take on the sneeze guard. My sister's is actually a little bit more like a penalty box where it's like three sides front and two sides. And then, they also uh, got a big tent, a big 10 by 10 tent with walls. And, you know, because most of these events are able to happen outside, we're doing, um, they're putting themselves like in the back half of the tent. They're putting tables in front of the cart so people can't even get within six feet um, to order. 
So they're taking orders from one side of the cart from six feet away. They're standing behind the you know sneeze guard to, to um, prepare the drinks and then handing them off on the other side and letting the people walk up and take the drinks. So it's a, it's, there's no, you know, it used to be great that we did, you know, we were face to face, you know, nobody really got to see the, the baristas in action as close as they used to. They can't get as close as they used to anymore. But, um, but doing, you know, so we're, obviously we're wearing masks the entire time um, sure. from the moment we walk out of the car till the moment we get back in the van. Um, it, we have, you know, and, um, we have the, what is it? Uh, Clorox bleach wipes. We're wiping surfaces all the time. Um, disinfectant, you know, we've got, we got bottles of that out on each side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes the clients ask us to wear gloves. We have no problem with that either, but I feel like if we're disinfecting, you know, between making every few drinks that that's just um, as good. So, and Noah, you mentioned, you know, the competition you and your sister had are sharing some designs you were doing. Then you talked yeah. about this discussion the two of you had on the, the, the safety shields. How, and even with your father, how, how often do you all like have quote family meeting, board meeting? How, how, how do you make decisions about the business? We should uh, do it more often to tell you the truth. I mean, the, the biggest debates that my sister and I have is what to post on Instagram. That's like, you know, we, we actually, any post that ever goes up, we definitely talk about it before it so goes the up. Meeting or the connections between the two of you a lot is your content or what you're going to put out. Content for sure. Um, every so often I'll have a pricing question where I'll go, oh man, you know, this is, this was, I kind of got thrown a curveball. What do you think? Like, I don't want to lose the job on this. What should I throw as a price on this one? Um, you know, so there'll just be little conversations here and there. Um, but they, I'd say, you know, we do things a little bit differently on each coast because of the fact that, um, you know, there's just different standards, I think, of, um, of what our clients expect. And, um, you know, there's, there's certain things that my, my baristas want to do and, and not want to do. It's like, you know, attire and such. Um, sure. but we try to, we try to be pretty consistent when it comes to, you know, exactly what you're going to expect. And the thing is too, it's like, we have one Instagram, we have one website. When people go to that one website, that's like every so often I'll get somebody, Oh, well, we want the cart that looks like this. And I go, well, that's going to be tough. Cause that cart's in Michigan. <laughs> um, or you know? I'll, I'll get somebody saying, oh, did you really uh, wait on Kanye West at the party? I said, no, that was my son in L.A. I said, we wait on cars. He waits on stars. And that's really the truth. I mean, he's, you know, that's part of his gig. He's got a party planner who will tell him sometimes not even the name of who the star is. Of course. Goes, you know, what was, the, what was the one you did, uh, the bar mitzvah you did? You had, to, you had to research who the star was? Yeah, well. And confidentiality. Yeah, same thing with, with, produ with productions too. They, they don't want to get you too excited about anything. They don't want you to fan out on anybody. So, you know, it's, it's very rare that they'll actually tell you what it is. Even the people who have hired me multiple times for their Kardashians, they're always very vague as to like whose house I'm going to be serving at or, you know, what the party's for. And I always have to look it up. I'm like, okay, which one of their birthdays is it now? Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, um, we, we definitely try to make sure that we're as close as possible. You know, I'll, I do a lot of like the gear I'll, I'll, I'll buy a bunch of hats or pins and sweatshirts and I'll send half of them out there. Uh, we got a bunch of masks made, um, some really cool, like latte art masks. Oh, I nice think. idea. Yeah. So that's one of the things I've been doing too, is making masks. Right. No, the three of us probably talk every day though. Yeah. We hey, talk every day. Maybe, maybe, maybe not about business necessarily, but yeah, we don't necessarily get on the phone and have like a full on like powwow, like meeting about certain things, but, but yeah, the design of the, um, 
of the sneeze guard was tough. And, and then when it came to like, you know, like, well, are we going to even be able to hear their orders? Like, we're going to be wearing a mask. They're going to be wearing a mask. There's now there's a piece of plastic in front of my face. Like, are they going to be yelling over the plastic for me to hear their order? We were talking about using a walkie talkie system. We we're talking about using some kind of like a digital uh, iPad to order on. But then of course there's surfaces and you're touching and you have to wipe. Like there were so many ideas that were thrown there's out. So much to think through. To yeah. think about when you're just, all this is, is just keeping social distance and trying to be safe. But like, it's not as easy. We're going to have a QR code to scan with your phone and like type your order in. And then we were going to get the order on our, you know, which totally takes the personal. Well, I'm out. just, I'm just glad to hear you're able to serve and do some events and Thank you. And, yep. and you bring, and you bring, you know, those drinks bring a bit of pleasure to, to people. I mean, obviously they got to take a mask off to drink a latte, but there's all of that. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been rough, man. I'm not going to lie. Like like he said, I'm it was sure. three months of zero, zero, zero. It was April. It was April, May, June, zero, 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 where the month before, for example, February, we had 75 events. So 75 to zero, zero, zero was really tough. But, um, you know, it's not like there was anything else to do. And, and there was actually events that I had turned down. Somebody said that this is sometime in May where they go, oh, we have a 250 person memorial service inside of a church. I got absolutely not. We're not, we're not going inside anywhere for any more than 20 people. Um, you know, so, so good luck with that one. I, um, it's not my job to tell them that they're, you know, not being responsible or safe, but we, we have to, you know, kind of pick our spots at this point in time. Well, also know that, that drive-in movie that you got asked on, that's kind of a reinvention if we do that. Yeah. Somebody actually, yeah, we got, uh, this is kind of like a first, but you know, a lot of the times people, cause we are on a cart, but we always require power. So somebody asks every so often, they'll go, oh, can you like come to our office and like roll down the hallway and serve drinks? It's like, well, not really, because we have to have the espresso machine plugged in to make all these drinks. But um, what I was asked the other day was something down in Orange County. They're going to do a drive-in movie type thing with 200 plus cars, and they want to have a hot cider cart, two of them. They want to, And then they want a hot cocoa and a hot coffee cart to be rolling in between the cars to serve the guests. And of course, you know, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but we don't do vending. Like we get asked all the time, will you come out to my event and sell by the cup? And right. my dad told me from the very beginning, 2013, Noah, whatever you do, don't do vending. You're going to have people that tell you there's going to be hundreds or thousands of people at the events and, you know, tell you all, all these opportunities. I didn't listen. I tried about 10 times during my first year of business to do vending. <laughs> and every time I came up with about uh, 50 to hundred bucks in my pocket and then had to pay my barista more than that. So we didn't, you know, we, ne we never made money doing vending and um, there's just never a guarantee. You could not, you could, you have to, everything has to be paid up front. You know, sometimes, oh, well, you know, what if you tried to sell by the cup and then we'll cover whatever the additional expenses It's like, no, no, we don't want to deal with that. We're not trying to keep track of the cups. It's an unlimited drink service. So whether I serve 10 drinks, 50 drinks or Very 200 smart. drinks. Did not know that. Okay. It's the same price. Yeah. So no vending. You're not going to be able to ever, you know, oh, we have, you know, 500 people they're going to be at this event and we want you to come out and sell as soon as they say the word sell it's an apps it's a hard no got it yeah. i mean in, in the very, very beginning jamie we did work here at pine knot palace in meadowbrook and believe it or not the best venue for cappuccino man even though it was the smallest venue was was meadowbrook meadowbrook was a slam dunk and they loved me there but they replaced cappuccino man with a uh not mr coffee machine that canadian one i don't know something that they just press a button and people would see me in the street, Elliot, where are you, man? We miss your cappuccinos and smoothies. Sorry, I got replaced by a machine. But <laughs> just as well. I mean, it, it was good to do that because I always felt that in the beginning, it would be a way to 
serve people and let them know that I also they also could have me at their daughter's wedding or their son's graduation. So that was kind of a double thing. Even if I didn't make a lot of money, maybe I got the word out. But vending is not a great thing for coffee. You know, I mean, there are trucks that do vending, but I don't know. It's it, Catering has, you know, always been the way to go for us. Oh, Jamie, I, would, I do want to mention one thing. You asked what else we're doing um, as far as, you know, post-COVID or it's not post-COVID yet, but during COVID. Oh. Love to, love to hear your thoughts about post-COVID too, sure. Yeah, one of the things that we're trying to give the customers right now is like a little more than they might normally get for the price that they're paying. And one of the reasons is because the headcount is way down. Okay. At a normal wedding, maybe there's 200 people. Now they're like 75 or 100. And with that number of people, you can give them some extra things and hmm. it doesn't really hurt the bottom line that much like we have something called a picasso machine and if you look on the website picasso is a computer that just takes a photo and prints it on the coffee i mean we've had people absolutely flip out when they've seen their face on a cup of coffee i've seen it, some examples on your social of that yeah it's you know it's the next step it's like uh, stenciling and then you know and, and we don't we used to charge for it or maybe noah still charges for it but if it's a, low, a small crowd of under 100 We'll bring it along as a bonus for them and, you know, just to leave them with something really like exciting, like, wow, man, they, you know, they put my face on a cup of coffee. <laughs> well, the machine itself is about $1,800. So in my head, I was like, well, if we charge like $200 extra or even $150 extra, you know, we do seven or eight events and it just paid, paid for, for the machine. machine. Yeah. Well, it's already, I've already done that and it's already paid for itself. And honestly, I have a few of my competitors out here who also follow my social and have figured out they needed the machine too to compete with me. Um, so now, yeah, I, I have been bringing it and and it's cool to like surprise them with it instead of like letting them know that you're gonna do it. If you bring it and you know, they weren't expecting it, um, you know, there's a way where you can actually go up to the machine, scan a QR code and put your own image. It's a little bit more of a, a hassle because you have to connect to a Wi-Fi and you know, you can do it off your phone, but it's slow. But yeah, it's, it's a huge upgrade and people love that. Um, because nobody's really ever seen that. There's like, I think there's like two shops here in LA that I know have that same type of, um, there's something called the Ripples machine, which was from the UK and you have to pay like a monthly subscription. And then uh, there's all sorts of other stuff that's like, we didn't want to have to do with that. But last year in August, I saw at a trade show out here at a coffee trade show that they had this machine. And then I showed them what we do with stencils and they were like, oh yeah, that's, that's really similar. That's really cool. And to tell you the truth in the past, we've had to tell clients like, Oh, that's really cool that you want to put that on the top of a drink. But to tell you the truth, that's a lot more intricate than we can do with a stencil. If you can imagine, we're working with a three and a half inch, you know, piece of plastic here, like this really thin piece of acrylic. And, you know, there's only so much detail that you can get, you know, down to about that right there. See that nice. a ring? I know the people who are listening can't see this, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, no, there's a lot of detail in those eight inch piece of plastic, but to get that perfect logo on the top of the drink, do you know how perfectly you have to pour that drink to the top? Like it's, it, it seems easy enough. It's like, Oh, well, you know, you're cheating. That's, that's not real. You have to pour that drink like three millimeters below the rim of the glass and not any, it cannot be cupcaked over whatsoever. Cause if that stencil touches the foam, you just ruin the drink and you have to either start over or yeah. try and, figure it out another way and then um if you put too much cocoa powder then it you know doesn't leave the image you put too little it's uh that in itself the stenciling thing is to totally an art and so i've had to t i had a lady last week who was asking me oh can we do the the word mia is one and can we do it in cursive and i go i gotta tell you cursive doesn't work great with stencils because every time there's a crossing line and a loop you gotta figure out a way to like 
make a bracket to keep that piece from falling through. Anyway, um, so, so now, I mean, well, I mean, you bring the experience of doing this a lot, so you can guide the people totally the and people without sounding serve. like I'm trying to be difficult. Yeah, I never want to sound like we're trying to be difficult, but like I just just trust me, please. This is like we do this every day. Like, let's do it in a nice, bold, straight font with no you know loops and swirls or whatever. So. But yeah, this, the, the printer machine is insane and it gives us the options to do uh, so much. I mean, for, for me, there's like lots of bloggers and influencers and celebrities out here. If I know somebody like that's going to be in an event, for example, I did a Victoria's Secret um, shoot about uh, three weeks ago and I busted it out on the second day because I realized that some of the models there had 12, 15 million followers. If one of those people posts in Latte and nice. has my tag in there, you know, there's a couple hundred followers. So are you part of craft services or just these are no, events? These no, we're not. Online? Usually actually, sometimes we'll get hired by craft services, but um, we're usually, you know, it's, it's the, it's the production themselves. So whoever the production manager is and Oh, we need a coffee cart, you know, somebody get a coffee cart. Actually I'm in about 45 minutes. I'm going to be leaving here, going to an event, which is a production, but they don't want me there to serve the people who are on set. They want me there as a prop because there's supposed to be a coffee cart in the shop. Oh. So I told them, well, that's fine, okay. but I'm going to charge you the same amount as I sure. would charge if I was doing an event. So you may as well, I'm an operational coffee cart. So we may as well like, let me serve the people that are working on it. And it's stuff. better and you get paid as an extra. And I mean, I'm, I'm my days in productions out where you live, where always somebody did runs, you know, the PAs would do exactly. runs to bring back coffee. That person from having to do a coffee. Yeah. Exactly. So, I you remember know, a lot. Just, yes, count went up from 20 to 40 people. I go, don't worry about it. I'm not going to charge you anymore. You know, I, it's the same really for me. So, um, you know, th that's, we really only have two different pricing tiers. It's one barista or two baristas. So, you know, people really love to like, you know, well, we have like 150 guests and blah, blah, blah. And then they'll call us two weeks later. Oh, well, the guest count went down to like 80. What, what's the other, what's the, what is, do you have a better price? Well, so what happened? Did you just uninvite half your guests or, you know, it's the same price. Like, cause again, it's whether we serve 60 drinks, hundred drinks, 200 drinks. It's not about guest count. It's how many baristas we're sending because that's the bulk of our costs. I'd say 30% of the price of our services goes directly to our baristas. At least, at least 30%. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's, it, you know, as a, I mean, you are a family business and then you have these other people that are kind of part of the business, part of the family, right? I mean, it seems the, the yeah. way you treat that in social, I mean, Ellie, you said your wife's involved in doing some back office, which means your mother's involved and your sister's involved. Is there potential for a third generation of the cappuccino man? <laughs> I have a little kid named Benjamin, a little two-year-old boy who um, he already knows. He sees, he said, "I go, Ben, who's the cappuccino man?" He goes, "Daddy." So he he knows he knows what cappuccino man is. Uh, I've actually had it. He he loves to help me make my lattes in the morning. I give him the very end of the milk pitcher. Oh, you answered that I, other question. So you I put some cocoa in the bottom of a cup with some water and I let him pour the drink into it. And it's it's insane because he's like he's gotten pretty close to pouring a heart at two years old. So I, I always joke that he's going to be like the the youngest barista, you know, latte artist out there. But yeah, there's definitely potential for it. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, where we were at the level we were at before COVID happened, I think it'll take us probably a year to get back to that. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, a lot of the corporate business that we had, you know, I was doing stuff for Yelp and for Tinder and for Twitter and for YouTube and Google. I mean, you name the brand, you know, the, the corporate company and, and we've worked for them out here. Um, None of them are back in the office. Those are the, the slowest to return to work kind of businesses. And they and were operations. the quickest to shut down. Yep, they were yep. the quickest to shut down. And the know? most sort of vocal in their announcements of how far out into 2021 they may be letting their people work remotely. Exactly. And, and exactly. one of the things we were talking about as a team was 
on just normal days, one of the things we miss is office coffee, which you probably would laugh at, like who would ever miss just office coffee, but it's, it's just the, it's the social aspect of the exactly. uh, being around the machine and what it represents. It's amazing that there's no more buffets laid out all over the counter, no more coffee machines, no more people. I mean, well, I know. Well, going to Netflix, Netflix every single day gets catered food. It's insane. Whenever I would be leaving Netflix in the morning around nine, uh, nine thirty or 10 o'clock, you know, coming out of like their, uh, their training meetings or whatever it was, I would just see tables and tables just like lined with like, like it was a, like it was a birthday party or a wedding. Like this every day you guys get this, this is awesome. Yeah. That's great. And, and, and Allie, I got to ask you, I mean, what's the most fulfilling thing for you about this? What is a generational business? Uh, that's a great question. Um, one of the fulfilling things about the fact that we've been around 28 years and you know, 30 is a milestone and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. But the fact that uh, we've got Noah doing it and we've got Sarah doing it. And we really didn't have a plan. In other words, I didn't like, when I sent Noah out the cart, it's like, you know, I, well, maybe he'll do a few events, you know, uh, a year and pick up some pocket change. But, but he's got the cart there. And just in case, you know, anything he wants to give it a little more effort. Basically, what I told him after, you know, the day when he called me and said, that, you know, I really can't go any further in the skate business. I said, well, man, you got a cart in your garage. I said, just... You know, pound the pavement, hang out a shingle. And I said, you're going to do business. Well, he barely had even time to pound the pavement. He certainly, I mean, it was almost instantaneous. That's no- yeah, it was November of 2012. And I still have an Excel spreadsheet on the desktop of my computer since then. that has about 80 different party planners and caterers and venues that I was going to plan to reach out to, to start emailing out to. Um, Some of them found we, you. We started doing Google ads immediately. And by December, I had 20 events on my calendar. That's great. And I did nothing. I didn't call one person. So um, that you know. that idea, I mean, I wrote a post not about having a plan A, a plan B, all the way to plan Z. Like I, I was someone who grew up around the business I'm in, but wanted to do something else. And sometimes it is without a plan. Sometimes it is with a plan. But but the same question back at you, Noah, the, the most fulfilling thing for you about this this unique and kind of special family business. Yeah. I mean, the story itself is really kind of like, it, it definitely does tug at the heartstrings, you know, whenever like people are making decisions and they're trying to figure out who to hire for their event. Um, you know, I don't throw it out there all the time, but you know, sometimes they, they ask questions about the business or, you know, the, the history. And like, once I tell them that it's, you know, my dad who started the business in 93 in Detroit and blah, blah, blah. Like they like, it's a kind of a feel good story and yes. they, they want to support, you know, me maybe as opposed to somebody else who's, you know, either just getting started or they're, you know, trying to, to mimic something that we've, we've been doing. Um, just, just like the fact that it's naturally gone from one van and one cart and myself to four vans, six carts, and, you know, 10 full-time baristas that I have as actual employees on my payroll in, you know, seven years. Um, it's like, I, I had to learn a lot of stuff, you know, I had to like, you sure. know, get an accountant and I had to, you know, figure out, you know what what people wanted and needed and um it's it's also just being flexible and giving people what they want because sometimes they don't want our cart if you can believe that you know our beautiful wooden hand-built cart sometimes they go oh well you know we'd rather have you serve off of uh you know these this this bar that we have that's that's pink okay no problem like we can do that like i'll 
and I'm not going to fight him on it, you know, but, um, but yeah, the, the fulfilling part is just, you know, I, I feel like I'm the same person as I was when I was 19 years old as a skateboarder, you know, I've still got a lot of the same friends. Um, I feel like I, I, I try to be confident, but not cocky. When mm-hmm. somebody asks me why they should hire me and not somebody else, I'll tell them, well, you get what you pay for. It's just like going to the grocery store and buying the store name brand or buying the top, top of the line or going to buy a car. You can get a Honda, you can get a Beamer, you can get a Maserati. We're the Maserati. We're the nice. Rolls Royce. You know, and except when I'm working for Ferrari, I never use that example. You're right. If you're doing automotive, and and you and you you mentioned the don't do don't uh, don't do vending. Any other like sort of um, words of advice or or motto that comes from your father in the earliest days of the business that's could either be stenciled on a cup or uh, that you repeat. You know, I mean. I, I always just think back to like being in the car with him and him taking a phone call, you know, and, and overcoming objections and having to um, explain to somebody why they should hire us again over somebody else. And it's just, you know, I, I always am understanding with somebody and I'm never going to vibe them over the phone when they say like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, we were thinking more like $300 and I go, you know, I'm so sorry to let you, like, we, we just can't go out for that much. That doesn't make sense. That's, that's like how much I'm going to pay my baristas. We wouldn't be making any money, but you know, you never want to make them feel bad or feel like they're being cheap or, you know, like make, I, I don't know. It's just, we're not for everybody. I totally understand. And I'm actually willing to let somebody know, you know, about one of my competitors who mm-hmm. may be less expensive than me. And I'll go, Hey, you know, call up my, one of my competitors. Um, I can give you his number even, and he might be able to do it for a couple hundred dollars cheaper. Um, you know, I, I have no problem doing that because they would do the same thing for us. And and we, we've made some really good connections with local coffee shops as well, local baristas. I mean, that's where we find some of our best employees is from local coffee shops. So, um, yeah, just just listening to you know the way that my dad he kind of has the gift of gab. Even when we go to a restaurant, he'll ask the the waiter their name and he'll remember it. And it's just like one of those things where you just got to make it more personal and less about business. And you know, people just want to support a business that's that's going to be more on the personal level. Nice. And, 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 and anything you would say, Elliot is kind of this, your own words to follow, I guess. Um, yeah, we've, you know, we've always, I've always felt like it was a, a, a family business. I really have. And I've kind of treated it like that. And I don't know, I, I remember my parents telling me, you know, treat people the way that you want to be treated. And I'm not sure that I understood it that much as a kid, but I understand it much more as an adult. Sure. You know, in the business world, it really does work because in every client is different. You know, you don't know whether maybe this person had a personal loss in their life. Maybe you just don't know what the circumstances are. So you don't want to browbeat them. You don't want to insult them. Or, you know, if they say to you, like Noah said, well, you know, we were expecting to pay $300. Well, some people just don't have a clue of what a business like ours might cost. It's the first time they're ever doing a wedding and they're just trying to get some information together. And, you know, you just have to treat them all kindly is is really what my philosophy is. And and if it comes down to us and somebody else, maybe they'll remember, hey, that guy was, was really nice to me. Let's go with him. And, you know, I'm not sure that I always get that feedback, but uh, you know, we're in business for the long run where, you know, and what's exciting to me also is that cappuccino man has legs. It's not coming. It's not coming and going. Coffee is here to stay. Um, there's a definite slot for gourmet coffee at people's events at people in people's lives. Um, nice. 
it's where we, we are virtually a coffee house on wheels. We come to you and and we'll get bring you probably better service than you'll get at the coffee house near you. Because you know that that's really what we are. I mean it's it's service. I tell people, the guy says to me, Well, yeah, I'm gonna pay eight hundred dollars, man, for for coffee, you know. I said, look, I said, we're we're just not a pot of coffee sitting on a table. <laughs> We are a party. Right. I always tell people there's like there's not really much between like the catered coffee that's going to be sitting on the table and and then us. You know, you might find somebody else that does what we do, hmm. maybe not as good or you know not as professional or whatever. But um, you know, there's a big difference between you know spending two hundred dollars on a pot of coffee or you know getting one of those cardboard boxes from Starbucks and then you know doing you know it's a it's showing it's showing your guests a little bit of extra love. Um, but yeah, I was actually going to mention one more thing, which is like basically when it comes to our employees and treating them like family, I feel like one of the things that they really do appreciate is we we do a holiday party for our employees every year. Um, you know, if my baristas ever have to work two shifts in a row, I always sponsor the meal in between. Um, you know, all of my top baristas, three of my guys, they have credit cards, cappuccino and credit cards. They know when it's um, appropriate to use them, you know, right. and it's, it's the little things like that where it's just, you know, hey. Noah just spotted our meal for the day. That's pretty cool. Like, you know, that's 15 bucks we just saved. And, you know, I'll, I pay them for their travel time. Um, and the people that we have now uh, going into, you know, the, the, the COVID thing, um, they're, as soon as we have enough business, they'll be right back on. And, um, and I know that they really appreciate it. I mean, well, a lot of, you know, this is so much better than this other job that I had. Like, you know, I, I've never <laughs> had a job this cool. You're, you're such a cool boss or whatever. Like, I try not to even be a boss, but if I have to, I will. Sure. But everybody kind of knows what's expected from them. So, well, I mean, you guys have a wonderful story. I mean, a business and a story and the way you care for the people you serve and the people who work for you. I mean, I call this podcast Generation Excellence, and it was sort of an accentuate the gen and the X because I'm from that generation. But, you know, you embody the excellence part of it. And I, I really, I mean, I thank you for sharing this with me. I, ideally, we'd be sitting and doing it with, with a, a neat beverage um, that, <laughs> yep. you know, some, some cappuccino or something, and the, the worrying and the sounds of all that. And I guess we'll get to do that. But any, anything I forgot or any last thing I should have asked you about the cappuccino man story? I mean, there's so many stories. Yeah, there are. It's just that we are really, we're really positive and and confident about our future, um, you know, because there there are, we can do virtually anything off the cart, Jamie. I mean, yes, we're a coffee company, but if somebody wants to do, you know, a hot chocolate party for their kids, we can do that. If somebody wants to do a, you know, Italian soda party, we can do that. I mean, the cart is versatile to be able to go anywhere we need to take it. Um, we focus on coffee. That's our, of course, our, our main focus. But, you know, in these times when there are other things, other opportunities to make some money in a positive way, you know, we'll entertain them for sure. Yeah, yeah. people definitely ask the question like, oh, well, this is so cool. Like, are, are you ever thinking about like starting your own shop? Absolutely not. Come like, into, come with, into with the, the, with the, the, the 27 years we've been doing this now, the fact that it's, you know, the, the overhead costs, which is, you know, not much, you know, when it comes to especially businesses right now that are that are suffering. I mean, we're going to make it through this pandemic like we're going to where it's already starting to come back. You know, it was a little bit scary there for a second. But um, the fact that, you know, there's a lot of people that like supporting us. And as soon as they're able to do that, you know, safely, they're going to, um, you know, yeah. Well, small you, weddings again, the, two, the, the two of you are energizing me about the so-called next normal. So I, I need that. I feed off that. I, I hope so. man. And, and, and I thank you so much. Thank you for listening. 
Special thanks to Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld at SMZ for helping make Generation Excellence, well, excellent. Until next time, I'm Jamie Michelson.